Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder! Hello, Herd, and welcome uh, to another episode of the Nerd Herder Main Show. I am your Herd Leader, John Wayne. What year is it? Who are you people? It's been so long. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, this is your first time this week. Who are you? I had to do two shows by myself, so I've already interacted with the fine folks behind the microphone. Fine folks? Yes. Darn fine. uh, Like a cup of coffee in the morning. That be your Herd Mom, Megan, there. Being all weird and goofy. As if you're not used to it. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, so this is uh, our main show. This is our big deal of the week. So uh, this is smack dab in the middle of the week and it's got the most to it. We sit down with a big topic and talk about it. Yeah. 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 Um, That's how this works. And so, but that's how it works for now. For now. Yeah. So. Foreshadowing. uh, Yes. So, in some, I don't know what I'm trying to say, Uh, to announce. Yeah. yeah. So, we're we're working, we're not working on it, we were working on it, now we're doing it. We're going to be changing things of how the show comes out. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because of having full-time jobs and just life in general, um, doing five episodes a week. And all the work that goes into those and also trying to look to add things to our Patreon and do things there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely been a little taxing at points yeah. uh, to make all of it happen. And some things have gone and slipped longer than they should have but just because of the amount of, you know, just juggling that we're doing right now yeah. with the podcast. We can't even juggle. Exactly. What is this, so, Blue Peter? What we're going to start doing beginning next week. So this week, nothing changes. Obviously, the the main show is here now. You're listening to it. And everything else that you're expecting to get uh, out of the rest of this week is happening next. Tomorrow is our Clone Wars rewatch. The day after that is our Q&A. So all of that's there. Next week, though, it's going to change. Um, So next week... We'll begin our new schedule, which will look like Monday, you'll get Monday Motivations, as always. Tuesday, you will not have a show. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, you will have a new and reformed main show. And then fr- uh, Thursday, you won't have a show. But then Friday, uh, our Clone Wars rewatch will be there for you. Um so what are the changes? Obviously, one big change is now Tuesday and Thursday, we are not doing shows. You will not see new content from us on those days uh, where you find podcasts. But we will still be around. Yes, we'll still be doing things, and we'll get into that. Um, the Clone Wars rewatch, which is, as of this weekend, originally taking place on Thursday, will now take the place of the Q&A on Friday. So our new Friday show will be the Clone Wars rewatch. Yeah. Uh, the main show, the change that is happening with that, it's not changing dates or anything like that. It is still on Wednesday. Uh, but in, conc- in 
included with the main show now will be the Tuesday and Friday show. So not only will we dump, uh, dive into a uh, big topic like we are today, mm-hmm. um, but we'll begin with running down some news, then we'll discuss whatever topic we have, and then uh, we will end with a couple of uh, your questions. So essentially what we've done is taken the data dump, taken the main show and taken the Q&A and combined them into one day. And our goal is to very strictly keep that to about an hour and a half of an episode. Yes. Um, if you've been listening long enough, our main show is already around an hour, hour and a half. Unless so, we really get on at the end of it. Yeah. It, when we did Han Solo, that was two hours. Yeah. <laughs> we just, we, we got lost in the, in the solo. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, normally it's an hour and a half tops. So that's not going to change. What we are going to do is we're just going to try and be more concise in our discussions and our content reviews and our details so that we can get you everything uh, that you would okay. normally get in three shows combined to one. Mm-hmm. Normally our Q&A is about an hour. Normally our main show is about an hour and a half. Normally our news is about an hour, hour and a half. So going from doing about three hours of recording and that's if we get everything done on the first take, not including editing audio or doing all of the extra stuff. Uh, but just three hours flat, we do everything. We're taking that and shrinking it down to an hour and a half. We're taking out half of the time, but giving you all of the same content. Um, it's like those bottles at the grocery store that have like 15% more free. Right. <laughs> sure. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Does anybody? So, so you're going to get the same content, uh, and you should, you will essentially get the same amount of content. You'll simply have it delivered more conveniently for us, but also for you. Yes. Um, you know, uh, we want to be respectful of your time as well. And several of you were very adamant on Twitter today when I asked, two hours is too long. So... <laughs> We're going to do our best to keep everything to uh, an hour and a half for our main shows and everything like that. Um, yes, you and know, we do want you to communicate with us. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and so please um, do. Likewise, when we have things come up, it's easier to rearrange things when we only have three shows rather than when we have five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're trying to work with. Um, what works for us while also continuing to give you uh, the content you've come to know, just maybe packaged a little differently. Um, uh, the, the main show is obviously the main show. It's the thing we, you know, started this podcast knowing we would do is sitting down and talking about a certain topic yeah. each week. So of course we want to continue to keep that. We live in a time where Star Wars news is happening, and we want to continue to be a funnel of that news to you, yeah. um, sprinkled with some of our theories and opinions. Uh, and we've enjoyed doing the Q&A and the weird questions, or, you know, not weird, but just good questions. Yeah. Uh, not that weird is not good, but we've enjoyed the questions we've gotten. Yeah. And, it, the research, yeah. the discussion, all of that. And don't worry about making it, like, a philosophical question. Just, like... Just ask us something. Yeah, like, what's uh, something you've always wanted to know about Star uh, Wars? Yeah, we've been pretty clear so far. It's it's really anything Star Wars related. Yeah, even um, if it's like asking us for our opinion on something. Like, it doesn't have to be that. Yeah, uh, so 
safe to, but the, 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 the main show we did not want to sacrifice or move or rearrange. Yeah. Um, and the Clone Wars rewatch it, even though it's not our main show, it's probably the most popular show we have, uh, because it's Clone Wars. Yes. And I say again, tune into this week. If you want to witness me having a <laughs> mental breakdown. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Ugh, um, sad. You know, the Clone Wars, rewatching that and reviewing that was a big reason yeah. uh, for the podcast as well. So, of course, we wanted to continue that. And doing the Monday Motivations each week was a big reason for me personally to want to do the podcast, is to share positivity and encouragement with you guys. So we knew those three things couldn't go away. Um, and because my brain works on um, patterns, yeah. I had to have something where it's even. So doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday means every other day of the main work week, you're getting a show. So it would. my brain would have been like, we could do a show Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, but that would be weird. Mm-hmm. Because then you've got Friday. So... That's the reason for the Thursday show moving to Friday is just so it's even mm-hmm. and it puts my brain at ease. Yes. You have the uh, OCD, but in the modern sense, I will say. All right. So, so yes. So hopefully that's clear yeah. and, and hopefully you're, you're groovy with it and digging it because that's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, so beginning next week, Deal you'll, with that. you'll see content Monday then Wednesday, and then Friday. Yes. And Throughout, we'll continue to do still Patreon stuff and all of that. If anything, yeah. it, if you're following us on Patreon, um, or if you're a supporter of us on Patreon, which is, you know, a few of you. Thank you. You you will see the same content but that we've been uh, having in the pipes, but you'll get to see it more timely, more, mm-hmm. more uh, on schedule. Than it has been, yeah. um, and so that's that's also a reason for doing this. Yeah, and like just to kind of give you guys a peek into the process, I'm currently trying to learn how to edit videos, which is a slow process. I've been watching a lot of YouTube tutorials. Yeah. So like, now, if if any of you guys are video editors and are like, "Hey, I can do that," help. Yeah, let us know. Please. <laughs> uh, you know, if you can teach us a thing or two. Um, I grew up watching YouTube. I didn't do it. Right. So there's a reason we're podcasters. We literally just plug in a mic and record and the editing is very simple. Thank, thank God to anchor. But so we won't make this longer than it needs to be, but we did want to explain all of that and make sure you knew obviously the changes. So you're not knocking down our door and saying, where's your Tuesday show? Where's your Thursday show? Uh, it, things have things have rearranged, and there may be a time in the future where things go back to the five day a week. Yeah. Um, but as of what's easy for us to do right now, the the three days a week is much yeah. easier. With the week, weekend being dedicated to Patreon content in yeah. in various forms. As is the life of grown ups with real jobs. Yes. So yeah, we all all the more reason, you know, uh, not to peddle it too much but you know it, it's a big reason that we do encourage patreon support and, and and the like is just because that helps us do the those things more easily yeah uh it, it helps support us in 
even thinking about growing things. And so, um, you know, certainly if you enjoy the content that you do get, want to continue to see it and want to see it grow and improve and, and, and whatnot, then Patreon is the funnel and process and means for you to be able to help us do that. Um, but you know, we beat you guys over the head with Patreon enough, you know, uh, we would we would love your support. A dollar a month can go a long way, and we'll leave it at that. And send our cats to college. Yes, so far we have some money dedicated to sending these crazy cats to college. Yes, I know you want to because they to need college. to get out. Start Sick pulling of them being your in the weight, nest. Piglet. Just don't argue with me. I'm your mother. The more you talk to her, the more she's gonna meow. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, so that's really the only announcements as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, and so now what we're, we'll get into our main show, our big topic, which if you didn't know, which you should know by this, the title of this by now. Honestly, pay attention. Read a book. In case you wandered in helplessly and pantlessly and did not know. Step it up, Jeffrey. Uh, today we're talking about Star Wars super weapons. Yeah. And so, uh, what I've done is I've gone into the interwebs and the archives and the holocron vaults and pulled out all of the information I could on all the crazy, wacky, uh, super weapons of the Star Wars galaxy. And there are a lot. Legend and Um, canon. We watched recently on the Clone Wars, the episode involving the malevolence, which is, as we'll, as we'll get to in our category, well, in my category for writing this episode, it is a super weapon. Yes, I agree. If you disagree, just wait till till we get into the show and we'll talk about that. But um, we watched that episode involving what we categorize as a super weapon. Good and, episode. Um, so from there, we wanted to say, hey, what about the others? What other super weapons are there? What different ones are there out there? And so that's where this show came from is we wanted to sit down and talk about those, the super weapons, super duper, where they come from, what they do, why they exist and how weird some of them are. Yeah. Get ready for the same thing over, over and over over and over and over and over. They were Um, not creative, but so, yeah. So today that's our big dealio. So if you've ever wanted to, to know more about that, or maybe you didn't, and again, you just wandered in pantsless and you know, uh, you're just here now. Or if, Welcome. If you're just like sitting at your desk, just chilling, wanting something in your ears. Yes. Hey, hey Greg. Hey, your boss is coming. You're about to learn more <laughs> than you wanted to learn about Star Wars super weapons. Uh, Turn around, Greg, your boss. He's right there. Leave Greg alone. Anyway, Greg. so we'll get into uh, the wonderful extensive world of Star Wars super weapons. Look out, Greg. All right, so what I thought would be a great place to start is to kind of just get the canon ones out the way. Yeah, um, super canon. These are the ones that matter because these are the ones that exist uh, in the main true narrative of Star Wars. Um, so uh, while all the other ones will be fun to talk about and interesting, those are in Legends now. Um so these are the ones that we know of exist in the the current stories uh, and whatnot that we read. Yep. So could, far. Yep. We could just like 
throw all this out in a year. Just be like, just kidding. Right, yeah. Again. Um, I mean, literally a couple of weeks ago, a new one was added into this list. Yeah. So. And Resistance is still airing, so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, Starkiller Base shows up there, but I don't think we're going to get a super weapon in that show. Mm. Um. Mm. I mean, aside from Starkiller Base itself. I don't know. Star Wars loves their. I don't think. Their super weapons. I don't think they're going to do it. Like, if this list is any. Yes. Any, if it's any indication. Yeah. Across all <laughs> eras and all types. They love it. Um. So. Yeah, I thought we would start with what's canon, what's existent in the Star Wars story, and then we'll get into the ones that came from all those weird stories and, and what's in Legends. Mm-hmm. And along the way, and I'm not trying to, hopefully by now most of you guys in the herd understand that when I say things like that, I'm not meaning it in a demeaning or criticizing way of Legends or EU or anything. Um, EU. I'm just saying that this is canon, those are not, and... Usually, some of the more Legends EU stuff are a little bit more wacky. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a little bit less uh, rain on the creativity of the Legends and EU stuff. So Yeah, basically, people were just writing books. Yeah. So, you know, if, if one of your favorite super weapons is in Legends, know that I'm not criticizing that. There's actually a few that we're going to talk about that I do enjoy. I am going to talk about at least one that I do not like, and for good reason, because it's terrible. But oh boy. I'm pretty sure that's none of your favorites. But if it is, let us know. Um, so, yeah, just don't take it personally when I separate canon from legends. Hope. Take it very personally. I mean, I can, you, you, I'm not your mom. You can do what you want. I am. Get offended if you want. Anyway. You don't pay bills. So I tried to do this. I'm pretty sure that this is in chronological order, for the most part, of when these... Uh, weapons come into play in the Star Wars timeline. Mm-hmm. Which would mean, now, the first two are hard to pin exactly. We just know they take place many, many, many years before the Republic era or I the prequel era. A long, long time ago. Yeah, a longer time ago than, a very, than very, the current story. <laughs> like a real, real long time ago. What if that's the opening uh, for... Uh, old Republic movies. Just like really, really, really long time like ago. Like you don't even know, Doug. <laughs> so um, these first two, you one may come before the other. I put them in the order that I assume they go in. Um, so beginning with the Malachor Sith Temple. Ooh. Um, that name Malachor is going to come up a couple of times actually in this uh, because the planet on which this Sith Temple is was originally created for the Knights of the Old Republic games. So we'll talk a little bit about that in the next section. Anyway, so the Malachor Sith Temple. Um, This is a temple and weapon (laughs) that we're introduced to in the Rebels uh, show. Gotcha. Um, The temple uh, has existed for unknown measure of years. Don't really know exactly how old it is. We just know it's old Sith tech. Slightly younger than Keith Richards. <laughs> if most of our herd even know who that is. Um, Dude, our demographic is old. So. <laughs> Choking. The, the, it's, I don't really understand. It's not really explained a lot why or how it works. We understand that it's powered by a giant kyber crystal. Mm. And it focuses force energy in a devastating wave 
the only effect we know that the uh, a triggered temple caused. So it's like one of those things where it's like, I mean, it's kind of like the Death Star where it's like you mm-hmm. live here, but it also can shoot people uh, kind of things, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when you think about it, that's what the Death Star is. Gun house. Yeah. So <laughs> it, instead, this is a draw it, gun temple. Someone so draw it. Um, essentially, though, it, the how we know it's devastating is because uh, when Ezra, Ahsoka, and Kanan, and don't worry, I'm not going to spoil things. Um, it's not. But, you know, some of our rebel crew show up to the planet, and we see that uh, there's a very kind of Pompeii style to the victims. Or, if you want to go even more recent, a Prometheus style, where they go and they see all the engineers that are all... They're not called engineers, are they? Yeah. But, like... They're all petrified. Oh, you mean in Covenant? That's Covenant. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, oh, there you go. Good. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. So, basically, you we know, there's a frozen. They're not frozen in the sense that they look normal. They're frozen in the sense that they clearly look burned go. into that way. Let it go. Be quiet. No. Um, Let and so, <laughs> for whatever reason, the release of the energy of the temple caused the people to be petrified in that way, essentially turned into statues mm-hmm. um, thousands upon thousands of years before. Uh, in a battle that became called the Scourge of Malachor, um, the Jedi fought the Sith, and at some point, somebody fired the weapon, and that's what happened, and it just killed everybody. Hmm. And then it was just left there dormant forever until Maul discovered it, um, and Maul wanted to activate it, but failed to do so. Mall of America. Uh, and so, and to find out the full story of the Sith Temple of Malachor, uh, you'll have to watch Rebels. Uh, prepare to have your heart broken. It's it's uh, it's a lot going on, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's watch. one of the oldest weapons we know in canon. Uh, again, it's a temple that funnels energy, which is a big idea of Rebels in general. Both the light and the dark side seem in the show to have temples that funnel the force. Uh, the Sith obviously used it in a way that was uh, offensive mm-hmm. and devastating, whereas the Jedi use it as a way of weirdness. You would you have to tune into a show where we talk about it <laughs> to because uh, I don't want to spoil things. Yeah, but uh, yeah, world between worlds and whatnot. Okay, so. What? Something to think on. Okay. Real big kyber crystal. Mm-hmm. Whereas Yoda's lightsaber, very small kyber crystal, therefore different sizes. Can you make a real, real big lightsaber? I mean... <laughs> like a Gundam-sized lightsaber. It's, it's possible that that's how the temple works, is with the science of a lightsaber just unrefined in such a way that instead of creating a beam of controlled light, it creates a wave of light that goes out and clearly causes damage. Um, How much would you love if just like a giant robot came out of nowhere wielding a giant lightsaber? You would not. (laughs) I would. Sorry. um, Moving on. If that's the case though, uh, that the temple works under the science of a lightsaber, then 
the people aren't petrified, they're cauterized, if you think about it. Sick. Um, Tell I want to go out. You know, it, it's weird, but I, I, well, I'm not, my brain isn't saying that's what happened, but my brain is saying, so instead of being petrified, it was like what happened to Pandababa's, well, not Pandababa's, because he bled, but it's what happened to Luke's hand when he got it cut off is no blood, it was just cauterized. Mm -hmm. So the great heat of the wave petrified or cauterized the people, kind of, I guess. Like in Ghost Rider, where they're burned from the inside out? Okay, uh, well... Not inside out, but yes, kind of in, in the terms of how they're burned. It, it's really weird. Like, like we don't have a lot on that yet. Mm. Um, not outside of what we got in the Rebel show. So gotcha. it'll be interesting to see if that comes up again. Moving on. Moving on. Anyway, so yes. <laughs> so down the timeline, this is a new addition. This is a new entry as of a couple of weeks ago. If Well... It may be new to you if you are not reading the Darth Vader comics. It's new to me. This is where this comes from. So this is Lord Momin's Sith weapon. Um, so, again, I'm going to try and keep it non-spoilery just because literally this came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I, I have to give some information because we're talking about the weapon. Spoiler territory. All I'll say is... I mean, if you want to know nothing about the Star Wars Darth Vader comics because you want to go read it, then skip ahead about five or six minutes and go read it. And then come back. If you don't mind a little bit of information that would make you then go read it anyway, then this will be okay for you. This doesn't affect the greater plot. It's a part of the story, uh, but it's a very interesting part of the story. Hmm. What is the cat doing? I don't know. Can you check on her, she's please? she's licking something. Um, so anyway, uh, Lord Momin is a fairly new character, um, in one sense. Uh, technically we've known a little bit about Momin for a little while. Um, the Mask of Momin, at least, has appeared in several comics. Uh, recently, though, we discovered who Momin was, um, before he was just a mask. Um, Momin was a Sith of sorts. He was a self-proclaimed Sith, but if you asked other Sith, he was not a Sith. Kind of like Ventress in the beginning of Clone Wars. Yeah, kind of. Um, he was actually imprisoned and shunned for his practices, because instead of destroying, he preferred to create. Mm. But his creating would also be destroying, so he's still technically very bad and Sithy. Um, but, you know, he was not the type to just go and kill a person. He was the kind that would, you know, a very, very, uh, red dragon mm. killer, like tooth fairy, mm. where it's very artistic. I want to kill you, but I want to make a, a, a statement with it. Yeah. Um, and part of that is because he enjoyed the fear and emotion as people would look at the horror of it and be like, oh my gosh, he loved that. Yeah. He didn't want people to be like, ooh, that's pretty. He wanted people to be like, oh my gosh, that's terrifying. Yeah. So he created a weapon to help make that happen. Um, and so essentially he came up with a ship uh, that would begin to destroy a city. And then at just the right moment, when everybody's scared properly, he'll freeze them. In that moment of fear. 
So it's like a museum of fear, of real fear. Huh. Uh, as people are literally thinking, I'm about to die. My world is about to be destroyed. Um, and so, yeah, so it, it petrifies, but on purpose, not like the last weapon where it's kind of like a oops. Oopsie doodles. The whole point is that he freezes people in their mm-hmm. moment of most fear. Really weird. Um, and really so weird. it's, it's kind of like Pennywise in a way. Kind of. Uh, he doesn't eat them. Yeah. No, he doesn't eat them. <laughs> um, as far as we know. So, so yeah, so it's, it, it is very different. Uh, it did not work. Um, just during his initial, uh, firing of the weapon. So essentially, yes, it would be a weapon that would begin to destroy a city, but the point wouldn't be to destroy the city entirely, just enough that people are afraid and then freeze that. Mm-hmm. But he was interrupted by the Jedi, which meant... Good reason. Yeah, well, yeah, he was doing bad stuff. So what ended up happening was he destroyed the entire city. Hmm. Uh, so technically the Jedi made it worse. It was darn Jedi. We, you know, it's kind of hard to really know. But re- regardless, they did stop Momin, but he... His physical body was then destroyed in in the result, as well. So, um, it yeah. If you're, I, I would say this is probably one of the more unique and interesting ones on here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not reading the Darth Vader comics, I would recommend it. At least the uh, Fortress Vader arc, which is issues, uh, I believe, nineteen to twenty five. Um, of the more recent Charles Soule uh, Darth Vader run. Um, if you just want to test the waters, and if this has been interesting enough that you were like, I need to know more about this Sith and how that affects Darth Vader's story, uh, because it gets weird and crazy, then definitely go check it out, do it. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe, you you know, who knows, you'll fall in love, because it is a great comic series. And you'll learn essentially that. Again, everything I've shared isn't huge it's backstory of a character. The main implications of that character, I did not spoil. So you're not going into the story knowing any big end results. Uh, but it, yeah, I, I have to chalk this up to one of the more unique weapons. Spooky. So, um, yeah, I don't think we're going to, we're definitely not going to talk about any one like it of, you know, frozen in fear kind of weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, I, we actually I don't even know what it's called, but I'm going to call it the freezing fear weapon. It's the Medusa ray. Ooh, that's good. You're welcome. So, yeah, it's it's pretty much except she doesn't want to turn people into stone. Momin does. Yeah. So, I mean, like if a salesman comes to Medusa's door and she's just like, "Ugh, this guy," <laughs> she definitely wanted to, wants to turn that stone. Oh, of course. Um, though I doubt she got many salesmen on her door. I don't know. Palace of Athena. No doors. <laughs> yeah, true. Just kind of wandered in. Anyway, um, so now, so that's the only quote-unquote old Republic era um, weapons that we know of in canon so far. Uh, hopefully that's going to be expanding a little bit, especially since we are going to talk a little bit about some of the other uh, old Republic weapons um, that exist in legends and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds sick. Yeah. It, I mean, it'll be interesting if I doubt Lord Momins would come up again in a story, but 
definitely the Malachor Temple could come up in a story or or something or be referenced to in a film or something. Yeah. Um, because the the Lord Moment thing seemed to be kind of small radar. Um, whereas the the Malachor Temple, I mean, they sent an army of Jedi to try and stop that thing. So obviously either it had been fired before and they knew it would be bad if it fired again, or, you know, it had been hyped up a little bit. So, um, but anyway, so the next weapon that we are going to talk about is, uh, one we talked about a little bit recently on the Clone Wars rewatch, mm-hmm. the malevolence. Yeah. So again, I kind of prefaced in the intro. Yes. We categorize the malevolence as a super weapon. Because our definition of the super weapon is not just a planet-killing weapon, but a weapon of mass death and destruction. Yes. And if you look at the track record, the malevolence, as we know, froze through ion disruptors several Republic uh, Star Destroyers. Each Republic Star Destroyer has a complement of 7,200 clones in various forms and rank and all that other stuff. But that's 7,200 lives. Mm-hmm. Just in Plo Koon's fleet alone, he would have destroyed about 2,600 folks. Yikers. So, uh, I'm sorry, 20, 26,000 folks. Um, wow. And we know he, de- he destroyed at least several. I mean, by the time Grievous and the Malevolence attacked Plo Koon, he had, it had a track record. Mm-hmm. They were looking for him because he had already destroyed so many fleets of Star Destroyers. Mm-hmm. He 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 killed quite a lot of people with this. I think that qualifies as a super weapon. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, so as I mentioned, ion disruptors. That's how it works. That's the big deal. Is basically it's a really really big ship with ion disruptors. The big it has a huge honking cannon on the side of it that shoots an ion ray, which is essentially an overpowered EMP. Mm-hmm. freezes all technology, all electronics, everything. It makes ships just hunks of metal floating around to be shot at. And then it does that. It shoots at them and destroys them. And as I said, Grievous and the Malevents, they they did this quite a lot uh, before it was finally destroyed. Um, and it was only destroyed because they took out the Ion Cannon, Anakin, in a very <clears throat> interesting, questionable uh, uh choice of action. Yeah. Um, and that was only plan B. That's like most of his choices of action yeah, in the Clone Wars. Pretty much. Just like, yeah, it's questionable. Yeah, let's just try this. So, <laughs> yeah, they took out the Ion Cannon. Luckily, that knocked out a lot of the ship's other main functions, which made it basically target practice for the Republic ships. And caught it on fire. Yes. So, uh, it was destroyed in, in that way. But essentially, if you weren't, and they were barely able to take out the, the ion cannon. Mm-hmm. So you had to get close combat with this thing in order to do, to do that kind of damage. But otherwise, for the most part, it's able to do all of its damage from long run, long, long distance of just freeze it and shoot it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think the malevolence was fairly successful comparatively so far. I mean, Moman's thing probably destroyed a few thousand people. Yeah. Uh, Malachor Temple killed a couple thousand Jedi and Sith. But this so far is the probably biggest killer on the list. Uh, even though 
its big thing is an ion cannon. Yeah. I got to take a sip. Sorry. My, my throat's getting dry with all this super weapon talk. Make sure it's a loud sip. Gross. Hopefully you heard that. <laughs> anyway. So, um, so yeah, the malevolence. Uh, I like, I'll, I'll say this. I liked the, sh- the look of the ship. Oh yeah, it was very cool. It was very stylish. Um, I don't like many of the separatist ships. The I do like the Ruger Hulks. Because it's the same one over and over again. <laughs> Not really. Huh, There's a few different ones. Um, you just have to know what you're looking for. Um, the Luger Hulks are, if you don't know, that's the ship. It's from several, but it's the ship at the end of Phantom Menace that they attack. Mm. The one that's like a horseshoe with a circle in the middle. Gotcha. That's a Luger Hulk. Um, I like that design. I like that sort of battle station look of it. Yeah. Um, I also like, uh, obviously, the malevolence, but the the invisible hand, which is the flagship of Dooku in Revenge of the Sith, it's very similar in design. It almost it, it looks very shark like. Yeah. Like the malevolence does. It's very cool. Yeah, it's really cool design. I like ships that look like other things. <laughs> Like I like the clam ship from the 2003 series. Yes, the the Geonosian starfighters. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I like that. I like when they're sleek and aerodynamic. Obviously, they it makes no difference in space, but it looks really cool. Um, and it's interesting because you you kind of wonder what they may have had in mind when creating that. Did they think of a shark? I don't know. Maybe. But anyway. I don't know. Now, so that's really the only, you know, and this is why we talked about our definition of super weapons, because. Next. Huh? Good. There's a couple of other weapons within the Clone Wars era that we could classify probably as a super weapon, because it's, you know, very tough, almost indestructible, or seemingly indestructible, causes massive amounts of damage, but, again, we wanted to kind of add a scale to it. So for it to be a super weapon, we not just planetary, but just a lot of people dead. Yes. Um, Body count. There's quite a few things in the Clone Wars that could potentially have been devastating, but never got to be proven as such. Yes, because it's only a 10 minute show. Right. Well, and because they (laughs) managed to deal with it. Uh, You know, the malevolence, although only around for three episodes, managed to create quite a reputation for itself. Yeah. So, so that's why we move on to, uh, well, post Clone Wars. Yeah, the daddy of everyone's super weapon. Yes, the original. The I literally OG. have it tattooed on my arm. Yes, you do. <laughs> so the Death Star. The Death Star, my uh, favorite. There's no better name for it. That's um, no moon. It is no moon. It's a battle station. Did you just turn into Admiral Akbar there for a minute? I don't know. I was thirsty. Sorry. No, you just <clears> turned <throat> into like Viceroy. <laughs> the, uh, the it's just that legal. <laughs> I will make it illegal. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh sorry. Uh Death Star, yes. The granddaddy super weapon. The original, the one, the only. Except uh, not. No, no. <laughs> I can't even say that. The first. The first. <laughs> the first. The first. Luckily, in le- in uh, canon, it's the first of only a couple. Yes. In Legends. Thank good lord. God. Anyway. And also technically one of my favorite characters. 
Not this one. In Legends. Not this one. No, it's not this one. All right, anyway. So, the Death Star. It was a battle station the size of a moon, and it was designed during the Clone Wars by Geonosians, actually. Uh, but it would not see construction until after the fall of the Republic. Uh, it would take over 19 years to complete mm -hmm. uh, through the comics and stories. We find out that yeah. it's due to a lot of sabotage. Um, yeah. Vader killing a few people. Actually, that had nothing to do with it. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, he killed the people that sabotaged. You know, uh, you had everything from Imperial sabotage to outside influences to mm -hmm. Geonosian saboteurs. All kinds of crazy circumstances happen. It's, it's ridiculous how much crap happened. Yeah. Like, they should have taken it as a sign of, maybe this isn't what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Pretty sure, so. you know, it was just a kind of a... You know, yeah. read read the deet read between the lines. It's one of those things. Like I think the the emperor was just so freaking stubborn. Yeah, it's it's like when I tell you you can't eat that whole burger, and I do it. You anyway. do it anyway, um, and then you die. Well, no, not yet. And then you get <laughs> gas. Yeah. So, um, the Death Star it operates uh, by funneling energy through. Uh, kyber crystals to focus and amplify until it, you know, meets to create a giant super laser. Mm -hmm. um, thanks to the, you know, wonderful sciency brain of both uh, director Krennic and scientist Galen Erso, a lot of this is able to be realized finally. Speaking of the Hannibal universe. No one was. You did earlier when, when? you were talking about Red Dragon. Oh, yeah, I did. Yes. Yeah. Okay, there yeah. you go. <laughs> All right, fine. But, um, so uh, they're able to kind of work out the science to finally complete this uh, battle station. Apparently the worst, most difficult thing of it was figuring out how to actually make the weapon work, which you think you would figure out before really building it, but... Big... The Empire didn't have an idea of things. Um, luckily, thanks to some rebels, they f rescue the plans uh, and get them to people who can do something about it. And because of one lucky farm boy, they blow it up. Yeah. Uh, it, it turns out it's not entirely luck. The The exhaust port uh, was created specifically as a sabotage by Galen yeah. or so. Um, yeah, good job, Rogue One. Turn in a plot hole, quote-unquote, into... Like, and a good story point. Hey. Hey, quit that head shaking. I, I never thought of it as a plot hole. Though. I didn't either. Uh, but like, there are those who did, apparently. Now, I mean, it's one of those things that that kind of weapon needs exhaust. Mm -hmm. It was going to have an exhaust port. Galen Erso basically just made it accessible to projectiles. Uh, Sick. You know, if anything, and it's not a plot hole, it's just a detail. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea of well, shouldn't they make that thing smaller? Um, no. It's a big ship. You must have a lot of exhaust. Well, kind of, yeah. I don't know why Mads Mikkelsen is suddenly French. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, again, it's just... If anything, Galen Erso just did that. He just made it big enough for a projectile. It, he already had to put an exhaust port in there. Mm -hmm. So, I, yeah, I never thought of it. That was a big complaint with Rogue One. Is It's like, oh, way to fix a plot hole. It I didn't... Also, Rogue One is a fantastic movie. Shut up. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Um, Alright, so... Also, Diego Luna. Sorry. Nerd stuff. Nerd stuff. Coming at you. Um, ah, it hit me in I the face. I so, 
So, uh, there are some Star Wars detail things that people say mm-hmm. or think that are wrong and they frustrate me. <laughs> there, oh. There's very... There's very few Star Wars hills that I'll die on. Dad's mad, guys. One is people that misunderstand the dialogue in Rogue One where Tarkin says, you know, to power up for a single reactor ignition. And the result is a blast from the Death Star that either destroys a single city, Jeddah, Mm -hmm. or destroys the Scarif uh, up you know, observatory station thing. Yes. The idea being, okay, it fired one laser or it fired one reactor laser. That's why it didn't destroy the whole planet. Mm -hmm. That is actually false. Uh, If you read the book uh, Tarkin. Which you should. uh, And if you read the novelization, you get a couple of details about the Death Star's technology that correct that. Mm -hmm. So again, you're not wrong for assuming the dialogue. The dialogue is misspoken uh, because it was written by writers, not by engineers. Yes. So the idea it gives you is that, okay, the Death Star has multiple reactors, and if it only fires powered up by one reactor, then it's less powerful, meaning it could destroy part of a planet or could destroy a ship rather than destroying a whole planet. Uh that it's false because there there is one only one reactor to the Death Star. Mm-hmm. What there are though is several hundred bafflers. Uh, what bafflers basically do are suppressors of energy. So while there is only one reactor, there's bafflers in place that dampen the energy so that it's less powerful, or you know, make room for the power to be greater. In the case of a single <laughs> reactor ignition. It's in the in the novelization. It details that simply means that the bafflers suppressed the power of the fire so that it was weaker. I hear your point, and I react with a nerd. It's super nerdy, <laughs> but it's a big deal because it, the reason it's a big deal is because again, the re, the Death Star only has one reactor. Yes, not multiple. Misunderstanding that. Is not a big deal, but it's a big deal. Got a nerd alert <laughs> it's, on it's, seven. So anyway, but yes. So if anyone asks, how many reactors does the Death Star have? It has one, just one, just one. Just one. All right. Anyway, um, but on a more fun <clears throat> note, uh, the British energy That's supplier fun. OVO calculated that real by real world standards. I do not know the date in which this was calculated, but. Uh, bear with me. It's ridiculous otherwise. By real-world standards, it would cost 7.8 octillion dollars to run the Death Star for one day. That's not a number. That's a lot. <laughs> that's that's one of them fake numbers that's that just mathematicians keep, keep using. Forbes also estimated that it would cost about 825 quadrillion dollars to just build the Death Star. Not counting, like, labor costs. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of damage. That's a lot. Oh. Shout out to Flex Seal. Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's these things, it's these things that make me stress about where does the money come from? Like, is 
is it like Star Trek where they're like, money is no longer a thing. We just have stuff where it's just like, I mean, obviously, okay. Probably not. (laughs) You could say, okay, they, they enslaved the Geonosians and used a lot of robots to, or excuse me, droids to build the Death Star. Thank you for your correct. (laughs) But you still had to pay for those, those droids. You still had to pay to build that many droids. You still had to pay to create the panels and the electronics, and you still had to pay the staff that were working on this. And like, you know, it's just like mm-hmm. it still cost a lot of money. Here's the thing, John: you don't gotta pay dead people. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, but you know, it, it's just. I think that's how they know, saved a lot of. I money. think this is why we've never met an accountant in Star Wars, because. They've killed themselves. My name's Craig. They, they, the they've literally thrown themselves out the window when some guy in a cloak with a raspy voice says, I want to build a giant moon battle station, and I wanted to shoot freaking lasers. I want to do it three times. Right. It's just like, do you know how much that would cost? Yeah. Like, you should stick with politics, dude. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So that's the Death Star, though. It's ridiculous. Glad we're done with that. Oh, there's a second one. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, Who no. saw it coming? I did. <laughs> um, I read the script. Yes. So there is a Death Star 2. Yeah. I don't know why I'm saying that like it's a surprise to you guys. It's not. <laughs> I hope you've seen the movie. It's movies. just like... <gasps> Unless you're the guy like, I was looking for a Twin Peaks podcast. What What is this about Death Stars? You're anyway, luck. So uh, the Death Star 2 is exactly that. It's the second Death Star, but they took the Texas approach and made it bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the second Death Star is larger, but essentially does the same and looks fairly similar. Um, fun fact, though, as a solution to the exhaust port issue of the first model, instead of having particular uh, exhaust ports to um, handle the exhaust, several thousand were built into the exterior of the hull uh, at smaller diameters in order to handle the exhaust. So, good idea. Instead of having I don't believe that the exhaust port that they fired on was the only one. It was the one that Galen, you know, yeah. sabotaged. This is the one. But instead of having, let's say, a few hundred, mm-hmm. they have several thousand mm-hmm. uh, almost poor-like exhaust <laughs> ports uh, in order to handle the exhaust, which is rather smart. Yeah, yeah. You, gotta, you have to give them credit that they at least recognized what was the problem. Do you think anybody on the Death Star had trypophobia? That's a big problem for me. Probably not. I don't know. Uh, one in five, maybe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, yeah, but you know, you 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 make your exhaust ports smaller. Cool, right? You make mm-hmm. several thousand of them. Okay, cool. Uh, except you leave the, the giant construction holes everywhere. Like, yeah, just put a blue tarp over that. Literally half of the Death Star was not finished. Blue. It's like tarp. They'll never fire on our exhaust ports. They don't have to, Greg. They'll just fly into the freaking thing. Darth Greg. <laughs> like, literally, the Millennium Falcon literally flew into the Death Star 2. Yeah, which was a really, really cool sequence. If you have enough room for the Millennium Falcon to fit in, that, like... Like... That's too big. Yeah. Like... <laughs> also, Star Wars, fantastic graphics. Oh, oh yeah. Just that beautiful. Se- that sequence was amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, okay, I hear, I hear you heard, I already hear you. There was a planetary hey, shield. There yes. There was a planetary shield. There was, but that was literally your only hope for keeping ships out. Like, I, okay, 
First of all, you don't have to be a butthole about it. First of all, this is the plan. This is the Emperor's plan. Yeah. We're going to make the Death Star. Yeah. We're not going to finish it. Yeah. And we're going to tell the Rebels about it. So that seems like a great plan. Spoiler alert, if you have not watched uh, the cinematics or played the campaign of Inferno Squad, nor read around that time, yes, literally it was the Emperor's plan to say, hey, you know, we'll allow them to learn of our Death Star, bring their entire fleet here, and then we'll destroy their entire fleet. Except, except... We're only going to send our fighters into the battle. All of the Star Destroyers are going to stay to the side and only attack if necessary. And, oh yeah, we have the super laser of the Death Star, but it can only fire once every, like, what, ten minutes? I hear what you're saying. And my pal-pal, my, my, my pal team, my, my, my best pal team, do you take constructive criticism? Me? Personally? No, or Palpatine. Palpatine? Yes. Probably not. He probably electrocutes people for criticism. You know, so yes, you have the means of a successful plan. Had they not been so pious and prideful, yes, the planetary shields would have held. Yes, the the fleet would have engaged. Uh, you know, the, the the star destroyers would have engaged the rebel fleet. The fighters would have engaged the fighters, and the Death Star would fire when it was able and had a clear shot. And mm-hmm. yes, they could have decimated and destroyed the rebels right there. Could. But they didn't. Yeah. My thing is, okay, and I'm not criticizing the plan. The plan's actually really evil and cool. But what I'm <laughs> saying is, if you're going to do something like that, have a plan B when your planetary shield yes. goes down. Or. Like, don't just assume yeah. that murder, beer, murder, murder bears aren't going to come out of nowhere murder. and all of, a, all of a sudden turn the tide of the war. Because that's literally what happened. Teddy Ruxpin got on drugs and attacked the Empire, Teddy and Ruxpin that's how they won. I saw a Teddy Ruxpin in Target the other day. <laughs> They're coming back, y'all. See? Murder ro- bears, y'all. The robot uprising is happening, and it's starting with a, a really creepy bear. Don't be like Palpatine. Always plan for murder bears, guys. Oh, Come on. Like, legit, that's part of my everyday plan, is just, like, carry a big stick with which to whack the murder bears. So if you can't tell by the rambles, the planetary shield goes down, the ships fly in, they shoot the core, boom. Yes. It Death Star 2, done. Yes. Now, in I'm obligated to mention <laughs> that in Legends, they did not simply blow up the Death Star, and the Death Star was not only a super weapon, it was literally for like five seconds... Like, literally... The galaxy's largest droid. Exactly. Like, the second before it was destroyed, IG-88, the assassin droid, which you see in episode, uh... Five. Jeez, I couldn't count for a minute. In... (laughs) He uploads his consciousness. Okay, hang on. To to clarify, you see him introduced in episode 5. Yes. You do not see him do this in episode 5. No. This is non-canon. This is Legends. Yes. So, yeah, you get this in a story, a side story. He uploads his consciousness into the core of the Death Star. And his plan is to take over the galaxy by control of the Death Star. Mm -hmm. Death Star 2. To travel around and blow up planets until there are no humans left and only droids. Yep. So seconds before it's destroyed. You you gotta admire his his ambition. Yeah. For a droid. Well, um, the whole freaking story opens with "I think, therefore I am." 
I mean, that's how it all starts. Yeah. But yeah, so so literally for a split second, the world's uh, the galaxy's largest droid was the Death Star. Yeah, and uh, then and then it blew up. <laughs> Thanks, Wedge. Thanks, Wedge. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. You know what? That's funny. What? Because in uh, A New Hope. Uh, Luke says thanks Wedge when Wedge fires a uh, on a TIE fighter that's chasing him mm-hmm. and he says it and then it's repeated in the control room so it's thanks Wedge, thanks Wedge. Can we get like a t-shirt that says thanks Wedge? Sure. Oh if we ever meet the actor. I would love to. That would be sick just wearing a shirt that says thanks Wedge. Yeah. How, how many times Thank a day you. do you think he hears that? Probably not that often actually. Like, it was just weird to me because it, it's more of an audio thing than anything. Gotcha. Anyway. All right. Moving on to our... F- oh, wait. No, sorry. Not our final. Not our final. Uh, Just kidding. So, how are we doing on time? We are... We're doing all right. We got okay. about 15 minutes. All right. So, uh, again, this is another one around... Uh, if you haven't been into the story of... Uh, Battlefront 2, the campaign, the Inferno Squad uh, story, um, then you might not know entirely about this. Or if you've read the Shatters in- Shattered Empire comic or Empire's End novel, then you've seen a glimpse of this super weapon. Uh, it is Operation Cinder. So it's less of a super weapon and more of a super plan involving weapons. It's, um, it involves a glass shoe. N- no. Um, <laughs> it involves... Thousands of satellites. That's um, not a glass shoot. Essentially, Operation Cinder was a plan in place by Palpatine. If he died, then this plan would be enacted. He sent... <coughs> hi. He sent, uh, he sent droids to uh, select and key uh, Imperial leaders, basically telling them a plan of, hey, we're going to destroy the Empire's enemies. And pretty much the Empire. We're going to destroy everything because I'm dead. And I don't want you to have my things when I'm not around. That's the gist of Operation Center. Was Palpatine an only child? If he wasn't, he probably killed his siblings. Probably. Like, he sounds very (laughs) only childish. Um, So, essentially, again, so it involves satellites. So, it's not all Imperials. Not everybody knew about this plan. uh, But those that knew about this plan would see that these satellites would reach certain places of orbit around key planets and uh, key figures um, and of their of the Empire's enemies and vice versa. And these satellites would begin to agitate uh, weather patterns in such a way that essentially the weather of a planet destroyed itself. Geostar. We're not just talking about... Yeah, kind of. We're, we're not just talking about lots of rain. Um, you know, we're talking about tsunamis, earthquakes, tornadoes, you know, hurricanes, devastating what, like, you know, obviously I just come from a section of the state that has been affected by a rather, you know, not to downplay the devastation, but it was, it, it was fairly low powered. Yeah. By the time it reached the parts of uh, Georgia where I was, it was only a category three. Mm-hmm. Um, Which you know, isn't that much for us. If you want to see what a Category 4 and 5 can do, look at Mexico Beach. Look at Panama City. Um, Now imagine a Category 5, but like every five minutes. 
all of a sudden, you know, the idea of, oh, weather can't destroy a planet. Yeah, it kind of can. Our, our weather actually does it rather normally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you imagine it in that sense, if you have a more, if you have that realistic idea of, you know, oh crap, natural disasters, then the idea of what Operation Cinder does is actually not too far-fetched. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, it was stopped. Um, By a ragtag group of peoples. Yes, essentially. Without getting into the, the full depths of the story, yes, essentially it was stopped because they're just satellites and you can shoot satellites. Yeah. Um, like, that's pretty good advice if you're going to build a super weapon. Look out for ragtag groups of outcasts. Yeah. Uh, look out for rebels. Roustabouts. So, um, so, what now, to give, to give credit where it's due, what helped the rebels to properly prepare and defend themselves was because um, of certain defectors from the Empire coming in and saying, hey, this is happening. You need to be on the lookout for these satellites. You need to attack these satellites before they get too bad. You know, they gave them warning, and that warning was then spread, and so they were able to properly prepare and defend themselves. Mm -hmm. Again, if you want the full story, the Shattered Empire comics, Empire's in the novel, and the Battlefront 2 campaign. Basically, read and watch a video. On if you YouTube. don't want to, uh, if you don't want to uh, play the game, yeah, look up the cutscenes. You get the gist. Yes. Um, if you don't want to read Empire, uh, Empire's End or Shattered Empire, find some quick little blog or video review of those and catch Wikipedia. up on the story. Wikipedia. There you go. Great plug. There you go. Um, Sponsor. And so you can kind of fill in the gaps there. But essentially, yes. Uh, of the show, Wikipedia. That's that's ultimately how they were able to properly deal with the satellites. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so but yes, this began. It only lasted about three months. Too it, Operation Cinder didn't last very long. Yeah, uh, so they found the shoe. Okay, <laughs> what are you talking about, Cinderella? Oh, dead okay. gummit, John. I was like, what? <laughs> anyway, that makes more sense. My mm, brain. Put the shoe on my foot. Anyway. <laughs> Now, moving on to our final canon super weapon. Um, this takes place 30 years after uh, into the sequel trilogy, and we get Star Killer Base, named after <laughs> quite possibly my favorite Star Wars character, although Shout he's Legends. Sam Witwer. Yeah. So, Sam Witwer just wrote a D&D campaign. He did. That's awesome. Um, he's a big D&D nerd. Uh, Star Killer Base is essentially the step up of. Death Star technology. Um, At least they think it is. We can... It is, for the most part. I mean... Yeah. So, I mean, we can laugh and joke and, hey, it's another Death Star. But... So, again, technologically, it's more advanced. Mm -hmm. It it improves greatly upon the power and devastation of the original Death Stars. Yeah. Not only that, but when you look at the First Order... The First Order is very Imperial-like, while also being different. My feelings for why that is and why they're very proud of it is because it's equal parts looking back while looking forward. They're wanting you to reminisce and remember. Remember the Empire? Remember those bad guys? Yeah, we're like those, but we're far more organized. We're far more deadly. We're far more well-trained. You know, the Death 
the Death Star Starkiller base. Yeah, remember the Death Star? We're even bigger. We're even better. We can shoot farther. We can shoot more. It's it's just it's basically saying, hey, remember that thing. Remember how bad it was. Remember the Alamo. Know that we are worse than them. Uh, so that's kind of the idea I get from the First Order mm-hmm. nostalgia vibe is they want you to think of the Empire, but they want you to think of it for a second before you say, oh, it's just another stormtrooper. Oh, no, wait, they're organized. They actually shoot and hit things. And, you know, it highly trained. They improve on everything and make something that was, you know, we can poke fun and criticize. The Empire was a terrible machine of, you know, slavery and oppression and hate and evil. Yeah, it was bad. And the First Order has managed to do that even worse. Like they made the bad badder. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of my soapbox of yeah. the First Order stuff. Also, if you don't like how it turned out with the Empire, go vote <laughs> on November 6th. Wow. Nice I'm not plug. taking any particular political stances. I'm just but saying. Yes, if you don't, if you, whatever you way have, you lean. Yes, you have a choice in how our country moves forward. Please exercise that choice. Please, please exercise that right before it's taken away from you. Um, By so an evil emperor. The way, the way Starkiller Base works. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yes. The weapon runs on dark energy. It's a type of dark energy called quintessence. Uh, it's not really very hard to find or very talked about or known. It's just some very seemingly unlimited, very powerful source of energy mm-hmm. um, that the First Order has learned to harness. Uh, using a star as a power source, uh, there's an array hell of collectors on one side of the planet that gather the energy uh, in stages. And then redirects it to the planet's core, where it's held in place um, by the natural magnetic field of the planet, as well as artificial magnetic fields. Mm -hmm. Then it essentially causes that to expand and then uses the other side of the planet to funnel and direct that into a beam, uh, essentially creating it a projectile. Because it's so powerful, because it's so much energy, far more than just simple technology and kyber crystals can create, the blasts can go much farther, uh, extend several star star systems over, and somehow it splits off into multiple blasts and knows exactly where those multiple blasts are supposed to go. That part was... I don't get yet, because in The Force Awakens, it fires one shot, and that one shot then becomes five, which destroys Hosnian Prime, a.k.a. the home of the New Republic. Even though, you know, they don't tell you that in the movie. No, you gotta but, read a book. Yeah. Uh, it destroys that very important planet and then four other planets. So it, it destroys five planets with one blast somehow. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like I shot a bullet and then it became five bullets and it knew exactly where to go from there. Yeah, it's basically like remember Alderaan? Yeah. Uh, facial expression expressions do not like translate into media. So let me make a sound to go with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So, but that but that's basically what it, what it does. It sucks the energy from a star, harnesses that into the planet's core, and then funnels it out the other direction towards some object, um, and destroys it. Mm-hmm. The the way that 
Starkiller base was destroyed was by destroying that the oscillators. Those are the artificial magnetic field generators that help harness the power within the core. So, within every planet, the thing that keeps the core, the core is a natural magnetic field. Because you're taking a planet that already has a core and already has a magnetic field, and then adding more energy into it. More core. Um, basically, you have to help the magnetic field power. So they created artificial ones. It's these oscillators, or one in particular, that the the resistance attacks, destroys, and that is why Star Star Killer Base malfunctions. Gotcha. Because then, basically, they took away the artificial magnetic field generators, meaning that only the the planet's natural magnetic field was controlling the power of the core and the star that was harnessed in it. It wasn't enough. It exploded. And fun fact, I didn't actually know this until researching for this, but the the ensuing explosion actually created such a powerful blast that it created a star. Sick. Star Killer Base destroyed itself and became a star. Aww. It's really cool. You can um, be a star too, children. There you go. If you just explode at a high enough velocity. Uh, don't do that. Do it. Um, Love yourself, children. So, yeah, so it's pretty interesting. Um, and then, what was I going to say? I was going to say something. Uh, if you're ever in a star base, or if you're ever in a super weapon fight, go for the oscillator. There you go. Go for the, if you're ever in a fight with a bunch of carnies, go for the juggler. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I can't remember. I, I don't know what I was going to say, but. Uh, yeah, so I, I enjoyed, I liked the idea of Starkiller Base. Once I got over the fact, again, I've rationalized it in my brain by saying, hey, this is my idea of why the First Order is doing this and what the First Order is, so I'm not too crazy over the details of, oh, it's another planet-killing thing. Yeah, but I get why they did it, and I think they did it well had it not been for you know, basically forgetting, hey, let's not put something out there that they can destroy. And then it's like, Again. oh, oops, <laughs> you know. Um, so and my the interesting thing is, you know, when when it's being destroyed, Snoke's not that worried about it. You know, this was kind of Hux's pet project. So Snoke wasn't like, oh, no, everything I've planned is now falling apart. He really didn't care about the super weapon. It, it didn't seem to be his big agenda. His big agenda was far uh, different. Uh, obviously destroying the Jedi and the Resistance and all that other stuff. So mm -hmm. um, to, to, to think that, oh, they destroyed Starkiller Base, it's as devastating as it was to the Empire. It really wasn't. What was, what was devastating to the First Order was losing half of their fleet in The Last Jedi. Yeah, really. That's when it got a little real. But um, okay. anyway, so that's all of our canon super weapons at this point. Um, you know, canon is still being expanded and developed. Yep. So, you know, there's no doubt this list may grow. I kind of hope it doesn't. I don't, you know, I don't mind super weapons. I just make them good. Make them <laughs> count. Make them. Yeah. More than just another Death Star. Make them interesting. Yeah. I mean, the, it was the interesting thing of, okay, you have a temple that destroys people. 
you have you have a ship that freezes people in fear you know you have a ship that you know uh destroys the the uh energy on ships and just makes them you know floating chunks of metal to be shot at so things like that they're different and interesting i i I like Mm -hmm. but if you're just going to make a giant oh it's a planet that destroys another planet okay that's a little much um and certainly in some of these other examples of super weapons, there are some interesting ones. Yeah. So, but that that's what we got for canon. That that be it on a, on the canon front. Yeah. Now we get into legends territory. I can already tell you guys we're not going to be able to cover everything, but I am going to pick some highlights. Luckily, I prepared for this. It's I prepared for the ramblings. So. I have a few that we definitely want to talk about, and then I have a list of about ten more um, that we could talk about. If you would like to have another Super Weapons episode, if you're wondering, wait, what are those other ten ones? Let us know. We'll do a part two to this at some point. Um, And if you let us know that you don't want it, hey, we might still do it, because it's our show and we do it. But... We do look forward to feedback from you. If you would, if you do not hear one of your favorites, and uh, it's probably on our list, we just don't have all the time in the world to talk about it. So let us know on the Twitters, on the Facebooks, all that good stuff, uh, if you would like a part two to this series, uh, part two to the Star Wars Super Weapons. Anyway, uh, the ones we definitely want to talk about, because they're, fu- they're some, there's some fun ones, interesting ones, cool ones. Um... Let's start with a non-imperial, uh, just to take a break from the empire a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so this one, I put this one on this list because I like it, and it's very unknown uh, for the most part. And for being a planet killer, it's probably the smallest super weapon on this list. It's from a cool comic uh, that I read long, long time ago, uh, which is really cool. But the super weapon itself is a cat. Is a cat. It's a cat. Uh, all you cats are super weapons. I'm gonna get the cat. So the super weapon, though, is called the Infant of Shaw. Yeah, it's a baby. It's not a baby. It's 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 a little idol, uh, very reminiscent of Raiders of the Lost Ark. So the Infant of Shaw is a religious statue carved by the people of the planet. Salot, uh, it unknown number of years prior to the Republic and all that good stuff. The idol was made to honor their deity known as Shah, and it was worshipped by the Salots as both a holy symbol and a very dangerous weapon. The infant of Shah served as a receptacle for force energy that, if and when released, would emit a disturbance in the force great enough to rip a world apart. Well. That's metal. Yeah. So it, it's very similar to the Malachor Temple in the idea that it harnesses the force, funnels it out in a devastating way, and it destroys the planet. Uh, because of this destruction, it became a very sought-after artifact, in, mostly because of, eh, it's not real, but let's put it in a museum mm-hmm. kind of way. Uh, but someone, museum. Yeah. But someone believed in its power, and um, a terrorist by the name of Ashar Korda... Uh, wanted to get his hands on it, use it to destroy his enemies. He hired Django Fett and Sam Wessel to get it for him. 
Uh, they eventually do so after some run-ins and skirmishes. And so Korda begins, you know, leading up to a plan to use it to destroy Coruscant. Um, the plan, though, is stopped by Jedi Master Yariel Poof. If you don't know who that is... Mm, I don't, but I want to. You can look it up, um, but you have seen him. If you've watched The Phantom Menace, then you have seen this Jedi. He is the one with the long neck and tiny head. Um, kind of looks like a Q-tip. Uh, he sits oh, yes. on the Jedi Council. Q-tip boy. Um, his name is Yariel Poof. And uh, between uh, The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, he's removed from the, the uh, Jedi Council. Mm-hmm. The reason why is because he died. Uh, and that's what this story is about. That'll do it. This explains why he died. Essentially, uh, the power of the weapon was almost released, and in order to harness, uh, in, in order to uh, prevent it from devastating Coruscant, uh, Yarrow Poof absorbed it instead, hmm. and it killed him. It's kind of like the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, except they don't do a dance party and live. He, he died, uh, which is why he was no longer on the Jedi Council. Um, yeah. That'll certainly put a damper on your political I do. Be- I, I believe he was replaced by Coleman Trevor. Um, I, that's at least what I want to say. Uh, regardless, but yes. So if you've ever wondered what happened to that guy, or if you've been like, huh, I never noticed he disappeared. Yeah. He disappeared, and this is why. Okay, like, this is really out of nowhere, but I cannot remember where it is from, but... I remember in my childhood, there was a character in a show called Trebor, mm-hmm. which is just Robert backwards. Hmm. Hey, baby names, 2018. <laughs> oh my goodness, no. Hey, Robert um, is a family name. It is, but Trebor's not. Uh, Technically, but, I want to get real specific. I'm done. Okay. Um... So yeah, so but again, it's it's one of my favorites because I I enjoyed that story, that comic growing up, and it's a reason that I like uh, Jedi Master Poof is number one, he's an alien, he's got a fun name, yeah, and he's just very interesting. And then they finally gave him a story, and so having that story, it was it was always one of those stories that I could whip out and say, hey, did you know? Uh, because most of the time, people did not know. Um, so there you go, the infant of Shaw. It's basically just a very. Oh, by the way, the story ends with Jango Fett and Zam returning the idol to the Salot people for safekeeping in order to honor the Jedi, because the Jedi actually saved their lives too. He basically saved the whole planet's life, but they're the only two people that knew about it. Anyway, um, yeah, if you have a super weapon, don't put it in a museum. Destroy it, like. It was kind of irresponsible of Jango Fett to just give that to a bunch of people and say, hey, here you go, here's your thing. Like, because, anyway, I don't know if it could fire again. I don't know (laughs) if it could be used again. I I don't know. But probably dangerous. Uh, Luckily, it's Legends. But, so, as of yet, I do not believe we know what happened to Yarrow Poof uh, between episode one and two. Uh, because of that story now. But that's what happened in Legends. On to another Legends fairly unknown weapon. Stop me if you heard this one before. Uh, you probably haven't, actually. Stop. 
Okay, keep going. Okay. Uh, it's called the Shockin device. Ever heard of that one? Nope. Most people not. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, I've... you have because of the script, but... Uh, <laughs> This is an interesting one. Uh, if you're wondering where this comes from, it comes from a 1984 comic uh, in the Star Wars run, Star Wars 87. It's called Still Active After All These Years. You could say that After about Star Wars now. all these years. Yeah. Um, We're just looking at Dick Cheney. So this weapon is theorized, uh, not by intelligent people, just by the people in the story, it's theorized to be the most powerful weapon in mm. the Star Wars galaxy. The reason being is it can destroy an entire galaxy. How it does this is basically there's a weapon that destroys the planet Shocken. No. Shocken is a planet. Uh, it, Shocking. So it destroys the planet and then projects that planet's debris outward as weapon. These projectile debris would hit other planets, destroy those planets, and then their debris would shoot out and destroy other planets and so forth and so on. So it's basically like a chain reaction of this planet blows up and then these planets blow up and these planets blow up until there's no more planets and then the galaxy just starts over. Yeah. It gets weirder. So... The Empire knew about this weapon. Uh, the we uh, It's discovered by Luke about four years after uh, Return of the Jedi, after the Battle of Endor. Luke reads in a manual that the Empire knew about this weapon, but for some reason didn't use it? Didn't put a pin in it? Or keep an eye on it? They just... We're like, hey, yeah, that's that's a thing. <laughs> that happens. I I like to think that they were like, hey, yeah, we hear you. We don't really believe in you. Have you seen our Death Star? Uh, and just kind of wrote it off. Because the thing is, again, it's theorized that this is what would happen. Yeah, it's like, a, I, a dog, I see you got this sick super weapon, but have you seen the shame ship twice? Right. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> Again? Uh, so they, the thing is then they knew that the device would destroy the planet Shokin. They did not know whether or not that debris would fire fast enough, strong enough, hard enough to destroy another planet. And that that would in turn create projectile debris. So it's kind of the thing of by all intents and purposes, this should work, but we've never tried it. Luckily, we'll never know, because in the story, Luke Skywalker deactivates the weapon. And that's because just, he's a good boy. That's just that. So we ne we'll never know. We do not know. Uh, and again, this is Legends, so I, and I really doubt anything like this would come into play in um, canon. Uh, but yeah, um, if it did work, this would p quite possibly actually be the most powerful weapon. In theory. But the actual most powerful weapon has actually been tested and actually works. Actually. We'll get there. Um, so, but yes, the Shocken device. Again, that's from a Star Wars comic back in the 80s if you want to check it out. Uh, there's really not a whole lot to it. Luke lands, finds out about it, deactivates it. End of story. Uh, but if you want to read those good old 80s comics, yeah. 
those bright and colorful comics. It looks like we got time for one more. We got two more. Okay. We'll just it'll have to stretch. Just mm. hang on, herd. Uh, because these last two were interesting. <laughs> we just left theoretically the most powerful weapon. Theoretically. We let now land ourselves in, in a place in between theoretically the most powerful and definitely the most powerful. And the that place the space between spaces Where between John powerful super weapons is called the night cloak. Ooh. Literally the worst super weapon ever. The stupidest super weapon. The most ineffective super weapon. The the, the ridiculous. It's ridiculous and I hate it. <laughs> so the orbital night cloak. Uh, essentially, this is the stupider version of what Operation Cinder is. Operation Cinder, satellites attack the planet's ecosystem, create devastating weather that destroys the planet within a matter of weeks. The Night Cloak? It's a blanket. Yeah. It's a bunch of satellites that surround a planet, create a shell, preventing the sunlight from entering the planet's atmosphere, and eventually, very, very, very slowly killing the planet. Mm-hmm. That's it. If you've ever watched The Simpsons, there's literally an episode where Mr. Burns does this. Yeah, he does. It's ridiculous. You know how that worked out for Mr. Burns? Not well. Not well. You know how this worked out for the Empire? Not well. Not well. Good episode, though. So not well, it was literally... All right, again, imagine. You got a planet? Okay. You got a bunch of satellites that create a shell around that planet? Okay. That's a lot of satellites, right? Would take a lot of damage and a lot of firepower to destroy those satellites, right? No, you would be wrong. It literally took one torpedo. <clears throat> literally. Just Wedge until he said it. Thanks, Wedge. It, uh, that's it. Hashtag thanks, Wedge. Like, this was when the Empire really ran out of ideas. This was just <sighs> ridiculous. This one infuriates me. Don't be infuriated. It's so stupid. If you like the night cloak, I'm sorry, but it's stupid. <laughs> it it's just it's a planet blanket and planet it blanket. Just, it it's literally stopped it's by one torpedo. Global warming, John. Oh just yeah. take the blanket off. Oh honestly, gosh, it's so ridiculous. Uh, so, but anyway, I had to mention it because it was just so ridiculous. But on to uh, an actual useful and good uh, super weapon. This is, by most accounts, practically, theoretically, and actually the most powerful superweapon in Star Wars Legends. We, de we haven't seen a weapon that has been quite its equal in canon, but in Legends, the Sun Crusher it also looks really cool. is the most powerful. So the Sun Crusher uh, is really the most overpowered superweapon, but... Yeah, it's yeah, a I mean, big boy. It's, it's the natural escalation of... Planet killing weapons. Yeah. It if it was in a movie, it would make the blah yeah, sound. When it shows up every time. So instead of being a giant moon sized or planet sized battle station that fires a laser that destroys a planet, this is a small ship. Teeny. But it's indestructible. In theory. It, <laughs> it's been it in the story it's proven to be fairly indestructible. Um it's built by the Empire and fires a small torpedo at the biggest star in a system. 
that causes that star to supernova, which causes the entire star system to be destroyed. So it literally does it what it says it does. It's the star crusher. It destroys the star, and that takes a whole galaxy with it. Um, Sick. And it's only stopped by getting thrown into a black hole, essentially. It, it's, it's one of those like, hey, you can't die? Good. I'm going to send you somewhere where you just exist forever but can't do bad things. Like Jack Harkness in uh, Doctor Who. And like uh, Emperor Pilaf in Dragon Ball Z. Mm, they send him to the dead zone. Exactly. Like, oh, you got your wish of immortality? Great. I hope that helps you in the void. Oh, man. Um, Pilaf. So... Wait, it wasn't Emperor Pilaf. It was Garlic Jr. Sorry. Oh, Garlic Jr. Right. They look exactly alike. They really do. It's like a recolor of a different character. It, but, uh, so yeah, so that was the solution. The Star Crusher, the most powerful, indestructible weapon in the Star Wars galaxy, couldn't be, couldn't be stopped. So they basically just sent it into a black hole to exist forever. That'll do it. Unless it comes out on the other side and finds another star to destroy, I guess. But yeah, it, w- it was part of an interesting story. And that's kind of when super weapons just kind of got ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, did anybody try that with Wolverine? What? Just putting them in a black hole. You know, because they have those lying around. That could work. Might. Uh, I believe the solution is to cut his head off or something like that, right? No. Not anymore. Oh. Not yeah, anymore. Yeah, he... Okay. Dude regenerated from a single drop of blood once. Well, there you go. See, there you go. You get overpowered and, and just... Nigh indestructible. No, it's not that he's overpowered. It's the fact that he makes money. That's true. <laughs> he has the power of capitalism on his side. There you go. That's his true mutation. Um. So yeah. So those are the super weapons that we are able to cover, uh, given the time that we have. Um. Again, if you want to hear, there's literally ten more. We have ten yeah. more on our list that we were not able to talk about. Um. We will probably do an episode where we talk a little bit more about that. I'm sure there's going to be a time that we're, we're going to be like, hey, we have nothing to talk about. And we'll pull this out of our back pocket and we'll run down the last ten super weapons of the Star Wars galaxy with you. Uh, but if you really like this and just are dying to know the other ten, just let us know and we'll plan that more significantly. Um, but... Hopefully you've enjoyed this, uh, our rambly bits, and maybe you learned a little bit about these uh, crazy super weapons. Maybe you're a little bit smarter. Maybe now you can go build your own Death Star. Uh, Don't, though. And uh, Be kind. Do that. Just Free watch out for the murder bears. Murder. Um, yeah, so that be our show for this week. Uh, it, next week is Halloween. Next Wednesday is Halloween. Spooky. Um, so what we're going to do is next week we're going to be talking about the scary stories of Star Wars. The cool thing is that the final issue of the Tales from Vader's Castle comes out next week. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk a little bit about that series. We'll talk a little bit about a lovely book near and dear to my heart called Death Troopers. Um, and just talk about other scary bits of Star Wars and and just kind of get into the spoopy mood a little bit uh, and have fun with that. And just remember that next week, next Wednesday, our main show will also involve a rundown of the news and it will end on a fun little Q&A. And that will be the new norm for the main show. Yeah, norm. Norm McDonald. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah. 
But in the meantime, what you can do is you can stay connected with us on Facebook and Twitter um, yeah. at NerdHerdCast and find us and check us out there. That's yeah. where you can let us know if you like this episode. That's where you can let us know if the the Night Cloak is your favorite super weapon for some reason. Yeah. Uh, tell us your favorite scary movie. Or you can tell us that. It, all kinds of things. Just to get ready for Halloween. It's it's upon us, children. Yes. It's next week. Shove literally, a pumpkin down Literally next week. Eat, um, take an entire pumpkin, stick it in your mouth, swallow it. Impossible. You know what else is impossible? What? I don't know. I'm tired. Clearly. Um, <laughs> don't forget to check us out on Patreon as well. Again, uh, if you can, consider supporting us there. Just a dollar a month gets you... Uh, quite a lot of goodies, and uh, if you want to know what those goodies are, you can always check us out on Patreon to find that out for yourself. Um, and, you know, if if not, you can still follow us there. There's still content for you if you do not support us financially um, and that you can get connected to. Remember to share uh, this episode if you liked it. Uh, share it with your friends, your neighbors, your cats, whatever. And yeah. don't forget to rate it wherever you do listen to podcasts, especially on Apple. Um, you can also, uh, rate us on Facebook as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you can rate our page there and let people know what you think of us there. Uh, we really appreciate it. It spreads the love a little bit. Yeah. And if you really want my approval, go to your local target and destroy every Teddy Ruxpin that you find. There you go. Yeah. We only, only we can control the population of the murder bears for pennies a day. You can help us buy every single Teddy Ruxpin yes. currently in circulation. Yes, if, if, if you too are bothered it. by the murder bears, support us on Patreon where our life goal is to destroy all murder bears. Literally, uh, there was an entire few years in the 80s where all the movies were about just murder toys. What was, what was that game, that independent game based on oh, um, Teddy Ruxpin? What was it? Uh, it, it was the Furby looking thing. Yeah, it was, uh, not Telltale. That's what no, I want to say. No, it's, it's something like that. Tattletale? T Tattletale, I think. I don't know. There's a really cool independent game yes, that's based off of, uh, that's based off of Teddy Ruxpin's. Oh boy. It's a really fun game. It's spooky. I anyway, like it. But that's off track. Um, you got the, you got the details. You got the, the you good got stuff. The touch. And you have now got a lot of information about super weapons. So you you're right welcome. Stuff. You're welcome, Greg. Uh, until next time, I have been your herd leader, John Wayne. And I have been your very sleepy herd mom, Megan. And this has been our main show. Make sure you guys stay scruffy, and may the force be with you. Bleh.